0: Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hugan, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, this is a special edition today on the program we have with us Pastor Anthony Savaggio. We've had him on the program the last couple of days. Thanks for coming on the program again with us today.
1: I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, and Pastor Savaggio is a pastor at a CRC church in Rochester, New York. Is that correct?
1: Rochester, New York. You got it.
0: Now, my geography is bad. Where is that at? Besides so New York, This, I get this that. <laughs> is right by
1: Lake Ontario, right in western New York, uh, right between Buffalo and Syracuse, New York. So it's cold.
0: Yeah. Is it cold right now?
1: No, no, it's not bad right now.
0: Okay. Have you, uh, do you ever see any football games over there?
1: Uh, you know, I, I have to say, I, I went to seminary and pastored before near uh, Pittsburgh. So I'm kind of, a, I'm kind of. when it comes to football, a Steelers fan. Don't tell anybody in <laughs> Western New York is around, <laughs> but they're all Bills. This is Bills country.
0: Yeah, totally. So you went to, uh, now, you, you, I think you said that on the first program, and I think I missed it. You went to Westminster uh, Seminary. No, no, correct? no.
1: I went to the Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary, okay. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is part of the Reformed Presbyterian Church in North America. Okay. The Covenanters.
0: Okay. the covenanters that's right so is that the covenanters like from scotland
1: yeah it indeed is yes
0: that's great well you know your your speaking partner is scottish right yes
1: yes. (laughs) i'm wondering if he has an accent because it always gives someone an advantage over
0: (laughs) well that's (laughs) the way that's the way we've been plugging uh (laughs) advertising it a few times like hey man if you're gonna come i mean at least come and hear the accent you know (laughs) I say say that tongue-in-cheek, though. So, um, okay, well, um, what we've been talking about the last couple days is kind of the theme of the conference. Um, Mm -hmm. The theme of the conference coming up on November 9th and 10th is uh, living in between the Christian life in the here and now. And, Pastor Stavaggio, I just got to say, even being a pastor myself, I think this is—I think it's difficult to know how to live in between. Has that been your experience? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yes, that would be the, uh, the, the, per- the that is the hard part. I, I'm, it's going to get a lot easier on the other side of glory, I, I imagine, so far, as far as I can tell. But, yeah. but until we're fully uh, glorified, it's hard. And that's yeah. really what this conference is about. It's an opportunity to really focus on that. Yeah. And um, that's really the heart of, of pastoral ministry, right? You're, you, what you, What we are trying to do uh, for ourselves and for those for whom God has made us an under-shepherd, we're trying to help them, uh, live in the here and now, mm-hmm. uh, which is hard because it's a fallen world and we're fallen people. And so how do you do that is really what we're focusing on and what, when, you know, drawing from Calvin's little book on the Christian life. And uh, so, in um, you know, this uh, the last session I'll be doing, you know, session three would be on the, the impact of the future life. So how that glorification, how what is coming should help us to live in the here and now. And I'm really excited um about uh that presentation because it gets to the and i kind of titled this uh, presentation getting motivated it gets to motivations mm. yeah. and uh and, you know and I, and I would say that uh, if i could go on a bit that the the it, it strikes me that how many times god gives us motivations and you know you you I mean god uh uh, can just obviously, as God, uh, call us to do something, command us to do something, and we do it because He is the He is the God of all of all creation and has that sovereign authority. But He condescends to give us motivations for for life, and I find that a wonderful accommodation from a loving God. Um, that he does that for us. Because the reality is as Christians, as people, even non-Christians, you do what you're motivated to do. And so God provides us uh, motivations for the Christian life in the scriptures. And one of them is this focus on the future life.
0: Mm. Okay. So let me push back on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it's been said before that there are certain Christians that are so heavenly minded that they are of no earthly good. And it seems to me that Calvin is kind of saying something different. Um, What what are your thoughts on that statement and how would you respond to it?
1: Yes. So I, I I totally agree with you that there are, uh, that has been a, a, a certainly a valid criticism uh, I'd say it's one of the advantages of reform theology. Uh, we we have our problems, but I don't think one of them has been um, ignoring the importance of this of this uh, present age. And, and and I think that comes from our really our view of of the sovereignty of God uh, and also. The uh, our eschatology. I mean, in, in uh, I don't want to get too off track here, but you know, in a lot of American, particularly dispensationalism, mm-hmm. uh, and, and views of, of, uh, of pre-millennialism. There's very much an idea of you know why why uh, you know move around the deck chairs on the on a sinking ship or you know or uh, so and and reform theology has never looked at the world this way. Yeah. and Calvin certainly didn't either. And in the chapter that I'm dealing with, uh, he quotes from. Uh, Titus two eleven through fourteen, which I'm using as my text, and, and this gets at it. If I could, I'll uh, just read. It's very short. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. Here's our Christian life, and to live self controlled, upright, and godly lives. And here's a kicker, in the present age, okay? Uh, and then it goes on, waiting for the our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this is what we call in the, um, you know, in, in Reformed theology, kind of the already not yet tension of things that uh, part of, we're called to live in the here and now. And one of the things that motivates us, and, and I'd say beyond that, empowers us is the fact that Christ is our forerunner, who has gone before, who is ascended and is at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us as a great high priest, that we have this connection to a future age that we are being called to. And the reality of that should always uh, you know, be ever before us as a way of... Uh, encouraging us of uh, providing hope to us when we feel despair, providing uh, the empowerment of God's spirit that Christ has sent to us to live this life. but it, it should be by meditating on what we have before us that helps us to live these self-controlled upright and godly lives in the present age. so it's very powerful. Um, uh, motivation for living for Christ in the here and now.
0: Mm, amen to that. You know, I was telling you, uh, I think on yesterday's program, about those five young Frenchmen who were sentenced to death in, in France in Calvin's time, and he was writing letters to them back and forth on trying to encourage them. and And after they discovered that the King of France would no longer— listened to their pleas, but the, the date was set in which they'd be burned at the state. Calvin w- wrote one last letter, and he said this, "'Since it pleases God to employ you to the death in maintaining his quarrel, he will strengthen your hands in the fight and will not suffer a single drop of your blood to be spent in vain. He has granted you this privilege, that the noise of your bonds have been everywhere spread abroad so that the name of our Lord may be magnified thereby.'" He goes on, but I I got to say, you know, I, I grew up kind of um, in an eschatology that I think was, was very unhelpful. It was very escapism. It was very survivalism, and it was very man-centered. And mm-hmm. I remember driving home from church one evening when I was like a little boy, and my parents, you know, God bless them, they were like, well, yeah, the Lord's probably going to return before the year 2000. And I just, it, it was such a man-centered perspective. But the way that Calvin views it is, is listen, God is in control of your life, and since this is the the lot that He has chosen, you can be comforted to know that God will be glorified in the way that you die. I and mean, what a different mm-hmm. perspective, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, it, it is. For I think one of the most profound things um, that I I've grasped about the scriptures, and, and I credit reform theology for helping me to see this, uh, particularly uh, Gerhardus Vos, uh, who is in many ways the father of Reformed biblical theology. But it's a very simple idea. It's profound. It's that eschatology precedes soteriology. What does that mean? That means if you look at the Bible, you know, so often when you even when you read a systematic theology or even in Most Christians' minds, they think, oh, eschatology is that thing that comes at the end of the Bible in in Revelation, you know, and this is, it's this end times, it's, you know, the, uh, the, all those uh, left behind books or whatever you want to say. But from the biblical perspective, you get eschatology in the very first three chapters. Of Genesis, mm. you get it in the tree of life. You get it in the in what is set before Adam. Mm. Uh, you know, in what he could have had. You know, if he if he had followed God's commands. And the whole story of the Bible is about how Jesus Christ, the last, the second Adam, the better Adam, uh, allows us to have access to that tree of lights which we do see reappears in revelation but the whole focus the whole drive of scripture from the very beginning is this eschatological drive this this pressing us forward into the age to come and that's a part of the the way we live in the here and now always in a real palpable sense that although we live in this present age we are in many ways uh uh, living in the reality of, of a future age that's pending, that's pressing, that we're, we're going somewhere, or there's a direction to things, you know. And uh, I'm talking about this in my sermon this week about you know we live in a culture of despair, and, and more and more, when you live under the umbrella of naturalism and materialism, where this is all there is, yeah, you know, then you invest everything you've got in 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 trying to make this world perfect yourself. And you see this, you see this in young people, particularly millennials, this kind of despair this trying to, to you know, and this is why politics has become so infused with such uh, uh kind of unwarranted and inordinate amount of importance is because you, you got to do it in the here and now this is all there is we got to make it but for the christian there's something more there's something that brings us hope and that is the work of jesus christ who will transform and perfect all things in an age to come and and he stands before us as the one who helps us to be empowered now but that really is an eschatological um, dynamic that we have that's so important for the Christian life, that this world matters, this life matters, and we can have hope in this world uh, because of what Jesus Christ has done.
0: Amen. Well, one, one concluding thought, we about to have a, about a minute and a half left. What most excites you about the future life?
1: <laughs> I, I think it's that, uh, that idea of rest. Uh, you know, and I, you know, again, I'm preaching through Hebrews, and uh, that there that, that remains a Sabbath for the people of God, and of course, we experience that in, in part in a foretaste every week on the Lord's Day, but that there will be rest um, from our labors in the sense that we will no longer, uh, you know, and as a pastor too, of, of visiting people who, who are struggling, whether it's with sin or sickness or death, to to, to know that there is ultimately a time when we will rest in the presence of God unencumbered uh, by our fallenness and we will be able to rejoice and be free entirely mm. uh, you know we we have the victory uh, in principle, but then we will have it in its fullness, and that's what I look forward to the most.
0: Amen. Well, you've been listening to uh, Pastor Anthony Savaggio here on the air with me. He is one of our speakers coming up at our Reformation Boise Conference. We sure hope that you will come. It's coming up very quickly. It's less than a month away. Uh, it'll be on November 9th and 10th, If you go to ReformationBoise.com, you can register there for free as well as find out details about the conference. It's going to be great. This is a multi-church participatory event. Many churches are coming together to put it on. So we hope that you can come and enjoy the fellowship and most importantly, hopefully an encounter with Jesus Christ through His Word. We hope to see you next time. Thanks, Pastor Savaggio.
1: Thank you so much.
0: All right.